0: Welcome, and thank you for tuning into The Promise Center's weekly podcast. We hope that this message blesses you and encourages you to take your next step in following Jesus. As always, feel free to check us out at www.thepromisecenter.com for more information on our church, what we're doing to make a difference in Sonoma County, and how you can partner with us. God bless, and enjoy this week's message. So I'm going to turn your attention to Luke chapter 5 and 18. Luke chapter 5 and 18, we're going to read three verses, uh, 18, 19, 20. And uh, it says this, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when they saw, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, everybody say friend your sins are forgiven. This is an important scene because we have Jesus looking up at the friends and he says, because of your faith, he said, friend, uh, your sins are forgiven. And then ultimately he gets healed. So he's forgiven and healed. Jesus has a work on the inside than the outside. And there's this moment where like Jesus says this word friend that he's never said in any other miracle. He never says in any other miracle in the gospels. He says, "Son." He says, "Daughter." He 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 says, "Young man." He says a lot of different things, but he never says "friend." But he's identifying what's taken place here, like some friends like did some good stuff. Like maybe I didn't have faith, but my friends did. I couldn't get to Jesus, but my friends helped me get to Jesus. And Jesus identifies something very important that I think we want to kind of identify today and amplify today in our teaching. So uh, today's message is: Faith needs a friend. Faith needs a friend. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that uh, you would speak to our hearts and let your living word teach and minister your written written word. I pray the word would fall into good ground and bring forth much fruit. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone say amen. Amen. Now, I want want you to picture this with me, Genesis chapter 2. God has made the cosmos, he's made the earth, he's planted a garden. Um, Everything that Adam would ever need is in that garden. Um, it's paradise, and uh, it's paradise because one, Adam never has to do laundry, because Adam doesn't have clothes, right? <laughs> and um, the food is there, and and he doesn't have to watch his weight or count his calories. Like all is well, and and what you could say is like all the circumstances were perfect, and yet God looks into this these perfect circumstances, perfect climate, the perfect man, in the perfect place, and yet God has the audacity. To speak these words, he looks at the situation and goes, It's not good. Think about that. It's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. Which tells us a couple things. Number one, it tells us that even if we get our circumstances right and everything's perfect and we got a 401k and we get the house right and we got the car right, we get all these things that we think will make an ideal life by having the ideal circumstances, I'm gonna tell you, if you do it alone and you don't have the right people in your life, it won't be good. In fact, I want to submit to you that you can't even get to where God wants you to be without people. Like the next level that God wants to take you to may not be a thing that He introduces into your life; it may be a person that He introduces into your life. That's how God operates. That's how God works. He says, "It is not good." It affects us on so many levels. A molecular level, psychological level, emotional level, uh, physical, spiritual, on every level. I, uh, several years ago, I read a story about a town uh, 100 miles southeast of Rome called Rosetto. Roseto. And it's a town that was a mining town. And it had, they had a, a marble quarry outside of the town. A lot of people worked there, but the, the work dried up. And so uh, 11 men came to America, came to Manhattan, and it was quite a journey. They get to Manhattan, they're sleeping on the floor, and they're like, we, we don't want to live here in little Italy where we, this is not working. So they said, we're going to go west. And they, they didn't go very far, about 90 miles. They got to Pennsylvania, and they got to uh, right outside of a town called Bangor. And and there they, they said, you know, there's this beautiful hill, a little, little uh, nestled hill here. And we're just going to live here. We'll build houses here. And they kind of built it. looks a little bit like Italy, and a two-story with the, with the, with the, the sloped roof and the, the red roof and all that stuff and tiles and everything and so they built and, and people started coming and people started coming over the next 20-30 years like thousands of people from Rosetto came because it was a mining uh, mine close by and a quarry next by and so there was work people it kind of it all fit and so it just built 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 no big deal and the people from Rosetto that came, stayed, and the people that came to America and lived different places, but a ton of people and built a town called Rosetto, Pennsylvania, in Pennsylvania. And so no big deal until 1960 when a doctor, Dr. Wolf, uh, visits Pennsylvania. He buys a house in Pennsylvania, and he knows this little town. He's talking to one of the doctors in the area, and the doctor says this. He says, this is the strangest thing, but, but I never have any uh, heart. There's never, there's never any patients that come down with heart attacks from this community. It's so weird. And they all live super long, 90s and into their 100s. It's super weird. And so this doctor who was also a teacher at one of the, the colleges in the Midwest, he said, I want to do a little study on this. So he starts studying. He starts looking at, like, like, why are they living so long? Why are people below 55, 60 not having heart attacks? Why? What is it? So the first thing he thought was diet, of course. So he's going to look at what they eat. And not only, not only are they eating bad, like 40% fat, like they're all chain smokers. So he's like, what's happening here? This is, Okay, so maybe it's the conditions of their life. Maybe it's just they, they have a And so he looked at Bangor, and there's a place called Nazareth close by, and, and their city. And, and most people worked in the mines, and it wasn't good, like respiratory issues and all kinds of stuff. And, and it, it wasn't that. It wasn't the conditions of the area. It's just it's got to be DNA. So he goes back to Rosetto, goes to the people that came from Italy to Rosetto, traces it all back, and, and does this inquiry on, on how long people are living, what's their, what's their life like, yada, yada, yada. And everybody from Rosetto in other areas and people in Rosetto, guess what? They're all living average life. Well, these people are living much longer and healthier lives. And they ask, what is it? What is it? What is it? They do more investigation, more investigation. Here's what they came to find out. They came to find out they were living in true community, sharing, connecting, family. Hey, I got an issue. Family comes over, talks. Don't have to compress it. Don't have to hold it in. It was this connection and community that was breeding a a, a physical, You know, physical life in them, and that is a picture of the spiritual life that God intends for us. It's it's very easy for us to take what is now in our secular world and bring it into the church and say, "I can do this on my own," and say it's a me, not a we thing, selfie, not healthy, and we go isolation. We say we can do this by ourselves. We can live for God by ourselves. We can we can we can uh, you know. Progress in the Lord by ourselves, and it's the furthest thing from the truth. You cannot do it on your own. It doesn't work. How many have ever, ever seen that bumper sticker? And it's, it's kind of funny because every time when I see it, I'm like, it kind of bothers me. It says, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Have you ever seen that bumper sticker? It's there, and I, I get it. I get what it means, but I don't, it just kind of bothers me just a little bit because it's the equivalent of saying, marriage isn't perfect, but it's better than being single. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, well, I'm forgiven. Well, I'm not single anymore. That's not what Christianity is about. I'm, I'm forgiven. I'm good. Done. No, when, you're, when you become a follower of Jesus, you take on this family and community that God has brought you into and says, you have a new identity, new brothers and sisters. It was, ne- we were never, it was never intended for us to do this alone. You will never become the Christian, the person in God that you are called to be by yourself. It doesn't work. And yet our society has this bend. You could do it on your own. Live for yourself. In fact, there was a study done uh, by Campbell. Campbell, and they, they were looking, and they, they wrote a book called uh, Narcissism, about, about narcissism. And they said that narcissism, every 10 years is, is doubling in the stats. It's doubling. People become more self-consumed. And they said from 70 years ago till now, every, every decade, the songs, if you, re, if you listen to the secular songs, it went from me and us and we and love to me and I and mine and hate and revenge and what was done to me and what I'm feeling and it's about me and it's all about me and now you can do anything for me because it's all about you. I want my independence because independence is the pinnacle of what life is about. And Jesus says, the pinnacle of what it's about is interdependency. That you can count on me and I can count on you and that when you need a lift, I can pick you up and whenever I need a lift, I can be picked up. Because you can't do this alone. We weren't created for it. We weren't designed for it. USA Today says the millennials right now are in trouble. They're they're, they're talking about millennials who are have this anxiety and depression. It's and, and all they're doing is just get drugs, drugs, drugs. And it has nothing to do with life being harder. It has to do with the disconnect from real, tangible relationships. We've learned to do it on Facebook or fake book, whatever you want to call it. Got a lot of likes. People liked it, and it's all plastic. It's not real. We don't know how to have a conversation over a table. We don't know how to sit with people and hear them out and, 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 and connect in a tangible way. We don't, it's plastic, right? And uh, I heard the other day someone say, what does Facebook and Jesus have in common? They both, they both have made the dumb to speak. Think about it for a while. Come on, somebody. A lot of opinions, a lot of stuff on Facebook. But let me tell you, that is not the source of our social network and connections, We were called to have real, tangible relationships that count, that matter. Are you following me here? I'm going to tell you, there's an epidemic in our world today that says it's about you, not we. And we got to go from me to we. we got to start thinking the way the Bible teaches us to think. Like right now in California, I don't know if you know this, you can hire a paparazzi to follow you, to make you feel better about yourself. Is that crazy? Like, you're you're at Mary's Pizza. You're like, stop it. I'm trying to eat. It's just so annoying. They're always doing this, you know? Like, this is the world we live in. You, you, you. That somehow we're validated. Somehow we get our value from the attention that we get that is nominal and fades away. It's not real. And so, again, the Lord keeps pressing us in, keeps drawing us in again and again and again and again to community. That's why we keep talking about groups. That's why we keep talking about being intentional, you know, serving on a team. Like, let's be honest, um, we could hire, we could could buy robots to pass out worship guides. The robots have doubled what the people have done. We are so proud. We have doubled our worship guide handing out thing. But the truth is, we don't do it because of that. We do it because of the relationships, people talking and laughing when those doors are closed. And... And connected into a team and the accountability and saying, you know, you did a great job. We stopped and we're able to pray with someone and minister and connect. And it's doing things together because it's about this journey that we can't grow. We can't become who God has called us to become without one another. It's just the way it is. 1 John chapter 1 and 7 says this, if we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. So if we are walking in the light, cause, effect, we will, what? We will have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. This is what happens when we really are walking with the Lord. We walk with each other. And then there's the cleansing and the washing. This is super important. Why? Because we have taken the supplement, the supplement and not the source. Now people do church online. Which is cool. Like we do, we put our stuff online. It's free. We don't want to charge you. We do CDs. We basically charge you what it costs us to make it. It's like, I don't even know if it's a dollar. It's really like 89 cents. Would that be weird to sell it for 89 cents, right? So it's like a dollar, right? And we just, we we want to get it. It's not like, we just want to get it out there. But that's a supplement. That's a supplement. Teaching, awesome. But what counts is being together, and I'm talking about the together where you walk in and we have fake friendly and the Christianese and hey bro, hey sis, we only know each other's names. I'm talking about like like really knowing each other. I'm talking about leaning into a real community. I'm talking about God wanting to bring us into a deeper place where we carry one another, we care for one another, we pray for one another. This is not easy. It's easier to step in and no one know you. It's easier that way because you're not accountable. It's just I don't know anybody, nobody knows me. It's cool just to sneak in, not be known. That's easy. But it gets you nowhere and you produce no fruit. In fact, God demanded it in his word when he created everything from trees to animals to humans. Nothing can procreate by itself. There has to be another. When we're in community, when we're when we're when we're talking, we take the mask off and we start communicating to each other. Guess what? We start cross-pollinating ideas and dreams, and things begin to happen when we get connected. You were never designed to be an island and do this on your own. Ever, 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 ever. In fact, just heard this the other day that, that they found the best, like if you want to really destroy someone, I'm talking like destroy them, like take the humanity out of someone's psyche in person. It's not torture with pain. Pain actually makes you stronger. It's isolation put someone in a room by themselves for four months and they will go crazy. Because it's not in our DNA to be alone. Why? Because the Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. With and was, with and was. They were both there. They're in the anatomy of God and they're in the anatomy of humanity and we have to have with and we have to have be. We cannot be unless we are with. You'll never be what God has called you to be unless you are with the people that God has called you to be with. God's leaning us, pressing us into community. It's not easy. It's hard. Got to take the mask off. Got to take the cheesy Christianity off. We got to, you know, fist bump. Hey, brother. Hey, I don't know your name. It's time to know someone's name, and it's time to get serious about it. It's time to say, you know what? This is my church, and I, these are my, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get connected. I'm going to invite someone to coffee. As awkward as that is, I look desperate. You go to coffee with me. You know what I mean? Get into a group, serve, ask someone, you know, sit by someone who's by themselves. Got to be intentional. So the the, the gospel takes us from a party of one to a party of many. And it says there's four keys for transformational friendship. I'm going to give you four keys to having and finding transformational friendship friendships and relationships. I'm talking about transactional, transformational. And the first one's very simple. You can have your worship guide. You can write this on the back, make make some notes. And the first one's super simple, and, and it's not like a drop the mic, walk off the stage kind of point, but it's important and very powerful. You ready? The first one is be friendly. I mean, the Bible says, he who wants friends, are you ready? This is so deep, must first show himself friendly. It's like, wow. Bible, you are, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's simple. Like you've got to put the sign up, vacancy, right? Like I'm making room for someone because we haven't made room for people. We've made room for handshakes and fist bumps, but we haven't made room for people in our lives. Not transformational conversations, not transformational experiences, shallow, 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 everything shallow. Who really knows you? Who knows what's going on in your world? Who knows your name? Who knows when you're missing? Who knows when you're down? Who can pick you up? Who's got your back? A lot of people, how many ever been to a, a hotel or motel? I think everyone has probably stayed at a hotel or motel once in their life, right? Everybody, if you haven't, I'm going to teach you something. When you go to a hotel or motel, there's going to be a little card that hangs from the inside of the door. You can slip it to the front of the door. It says, do not disturb. A lot of people have this card and they put it on their face. And they have this sour face that basically says, don't mess with me. I don't want to know you. <laughs> if you want to have friends, you've got to show yourself friendly. Yes. You know, it's like knock, knock. You know, hey, let's, let's do coffee. Let's connect. Let's connect. What's your name? Where are you from? What's going on? And I, and I, I get tired of shallow relationships. And it's very, it's very difficult. I get it. It's very difficult. Life is busy. But it's those Deep transformational relationships that have made me and kept me. And whenever God was going to do a new thing in my life, he always brought new people into my life to help reposition and take me to that place and lift me up on that house and rip those tiles and put me into the position I need to be that I could not have done on my own. It takes people. That's how God does it. He'll always do it. So if you try to isolate yourself, it's never going to work. And so the enemy, the devil, you know what he's doing? Divide, 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 divide. Why? Because Jesus said a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. Yeah. United States of America, no. Divided states of America. What does he want to do? Divide, 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 divide. Because if we divide, we can't produce anything. Spiritually, if we divide, I don't like them. Too old. Too white. Too black. Too Hispanic. Too, too young. Too crazy. Too hip. Too boring. And we divide, 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 divide. Two Republican, two Democrat, two Independent, two Green Party. You know? And we have all these reasons to divide, 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 divide. All these things, these casts that the world has put. And by the time you're done, you're in your own box. And no one's in it with you. Your profile doesn't match anybody's. You're going to have to diversify. I'm so thankful for the church. You know, I... I grew up in, in Sugarland, Land, Texas. Pray, please pray for Houston. Um, there was a, a, an alligator, five houses, six houses down from my parents. I was like, that is so cool, but we're praying for you. That yeah. was like, this is awesome. And, but, but they're okay. And, and the part of town that my parents are in, that, that south, um, southwest side it, and, and west side is better than the east side. Because the east side is like where all the, the, the bayous are. So it's a lot lower. So please pray. But we have friends that are... Like, asking for prayer. We, have, we know, uh, you know, have friends that, like, two feet, three feet of water in their house. It's just crazy. It's crazy. Um, but, you know, growing up, like, like, there's people I'm friends with now because of the church that, to be honest with you, in the world I would have never been friends with. Like, it's just so true. Like Like, out in the world, like, I remember, like, going to school, and I didn't even know where I fit, to be honest with you. I was kind of, like, I played baseball, but... You know, I wasn't like the best on the team. I was good, but I wasn't the best on the team. So there was like the cool guys that were like the best of the best. You knew they were gonna go to college. I'm just like, hey, I just want to be like with these guys. You know, I, I didn't re- like. So that was that thing. And then then you had like the gangs, and they were they were cool, and they had their thing, and and and, and that, I wasn't like connected to people like that. But in the church, I have friends, close friends that have taken the mask off. That 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 are ex gangbangers. How does that happen? Like, like, we're throwing gang signs, but it's like, what's up, dude? Love you. I'm like that, only, like, that only happens in church. Like, big old dudes just like, hey, pastor. Hey, I was reading in Joshua chapter 7. I'm like, it's like, only in the church of the living God. It's like Noah's boat, Right? Like all the food chain is there and they should be devouring each other. And there's like this peace and calm. It's like what God does, like only in the church. And so in the church, there's either bond or free, Jew nor Gentile, male nor female. Get over it in the church. Those lines are gone in the church. And so we got to diversify and say, i got to be friendly to everybody. Not just people who look like me, talk like me, act like me. Okay? I'll stop right there. I've got more, but I'm going to stop right there. The second thing is we have, a, we have a, a hard time with relationships primarily because we have a hard time with our relationship with God. If this is bad, this is going to be bad all the time. In fact, let me say this, that if you want the litmus test on how this is, look at your relationships in all three dimensions. The Bible talks about loving your brother, your neighbor, and your enemy, okay? Your your brother, your neighbor, your enemy. Those like you, those unlike you, and those who dislike you. How do you love your enemy? How do you love your neighbor? How do you love your brother? Because if you can't treat them right, you're not spiritually mature. I don't care if you can preach and hawk and yell. I don't care if you teach seven small groups. I don't care if you've done bus ministry. And and if you are a jerk... And you don't love people, there's a spiritual maturity issue. If you can't keep your word, there's a spiritual maturity issue. In fact, the Ten Commandments are not commandments of behavior. It's commandments of how to treat your brother. Do you know that? Don't bear false witness on your brother. Don't hook up with your neighbor's wife. It's not just, don't commit adultery. Why would you do that to someone you're in a relationship with? Well, it doesn't apply because I'm not even in a relationship with anybody. So those rules don't even apply to me. That's the mindset. And so, Jesus has asked the question, greatest commandment, Jesus, what is it? Here we go. We're asking the big one. and here's what he says, Shema. Hear, O Israel, Lord our God is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Matthew chapter 12, right? And then he says, the, the next is likened to it, equal to it, connected to it, drawn from it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Watch this. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's put this in order. If I love God, then I'll have the right perspective of myself. And if I have the right perspective of myself, then I can love people the right way. You know why we have bad relationships? Because we're projecting, because we don't have the right relationship with God. When I get this right, I get this right. And then I get that right. When I get this wrong, I get this wrong. And then I project it. And in every relationship, there's trouble, there's a tizzy, there's an issue, there's a bother. You've got 500 friends on Facebook, but you've got 20 people who don't like you in real life. And you're going, what's going on? It's here. It's here. In fact, the Bible calls you a liar. Just being harsh, I hope it's not. The Bible says you're a liar because it says if you say you love God but, but hate your brother, you're a liar. It's impossible to do that. It doesn't work that way. So if we have a friend issue, maybe we have a a relationship with God issue. Let's, go, let's, let's ask that question. Is that working? So we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. So when I, when I come in a relationship with God, guess what? I see myself the right way. I'm not, I'm not space trash. I'm not the leftover of God's creation. He goes, uh, here's some leftovers. Let's just put together Chad. Just leftovers. And so you're like, ah, we got, what do we gotta do? We gotta get a better view of you. A better view of you. A better view of you. How many here likes cheese? Anybody cheese, 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 love cheese? Cheese is, cheese is special, isn't it? cheese is, cheese is special. It's like the Lord came down and just blessed cheese. It's just like, I will give you cheese. This is my, fire and cheese. Do what you want with it, you know? So my wife has discovered she's allergic to cheese. Can you imagine this? I'm like, I don't even like know what we have in common anymore. You know, how do I relate to you? And And so I grew up, how many grew up, like me, like on the good, expensive stuff? Craft American slice with the plastic, right? Some mad scientist was like, let's make cheese with chemicals. And they're like, feed this to children. They'll be okay. That's really what happened. And so... Then my wife, I got married, and she domesticated me, and she's like, "Okay, we're, here's Brie," and I'm like, "I don't like it," and I like it now. And she's like, "Here's camel bear," and I like it now. And so I heard the story the other day about a, a, a grandpa who was down in his little den, and he was sleeping, and they, the little, little grandkids ran in, they Camembert and they got camel bear, and they put it on his mustache like this, while he was sleeping. And so he's he starts waking up, he's like, "This den, it stinks." So he goes to the kitchen, he's like. The kitchen stinks. So he starts running to the house the whole house stinks. So finally he's like, he runs outside on the porch. He's like, man, the neighborhood stinks. So he gets in the car, he's driving, he's like, the car stinks. So finally he's driving miles and miles and miles away. He throws on the window. He's like, the air's coming. He's like, the whole world stinks. It's the world. And 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 this is what happens. We project. We project. We put it on everybody else. They don't like me. They don't care about me. They don't want to be in a relationship. I'm a goof. And it's out of this insecurity because you don't know who you are. And you have this, this stench that, you're, that you've taken from the world and you've projected it on everybody else. And you're thwarting the relationships that God wants for your life. Amen. Amen. And it's cool. If you want to just stay here, it's cool. But if you want to excel and grow and learn and find your gift and discover your purpose and, 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 and see the, the full days of what God intends for your life, you can't do it alone. It's impossible. It's not good for man to be alone. And so we've created systems and, and world systems and internet systems and, and institutions where you can be a number. How many has a number like at a school or something? One, two, three, okay. Don't be shy. Number 47392, raise your hand right now. Okay. Like the system where you just, a number. And uh, oh yeah, th- this is the class. You know, 47392 and 27222 two, two, and they're all, this is the class. And you just, numbers, 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 numbers. It's so impersonal. And we were created for so much more. So much more. Um, there's a there's a young lady from Houston, where I grew up, and it's an interesting story about how she made one mistake as a young person, she's probably upper teens, almost 20, she made this just mistake, and she grew up in church, and knew grace, and knew God's presence, and all that stuff, and she made this drastic, bad, bad decision, and um, this decision altered her life, she allowed the shame of this decision to reprogram the way she thought about herself, and because she, the way she thought about herself, she thought of herself low. And because of that, she began to get connected with friends that were low. I'm not talking about low, I'm talking about low class, not in the sense of money. I'm talking about low class that just people pull you down. Voices, there's voices of more and there's voices of less in the world, yes. right? And so she got connected to just rough, tough people. And so she ends up going, I got to get out of this. I don't know what's happening. I, and so she says, "Let mom, help me. And her mom takes her to a Christian counselor. They're all in the room together. And her mom says, here's the answer. We've got to get her new friends. These friends are bad. And the doctor, the, the Christian counselor is listening, and he says, no, that's not the answer. The issue is not her friends. The issue is the way she sees herself. She's, she, the way she sees herself is like, it's like gravity pulling those kinds of friends toward her. It's got to be a way you... you, you you change the way you think. And so if we know God, if we can the Shema, if we can love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, come into that relationship, that what ends up happening is now I can love my neighbor. I can be in relationship as I love myself. I know who I am. I know my purpose. I, I'm not insecure because I know God is maybe just the way I am. I'm supposed to be you know I used to grow up thinking I was supposed to be six foot seven and a football player at Cal and and all that cool stuff. And and I realized, you know, five Ten and three-fourths is awesome. I look in the mirror and I'm like, I see Dwayne Johnson when I look in the mirror. That's what I see. So I'm like, God, you made me just the way I'm supposed to be. I'm okay with that. There's certain bends and certain things and quirks and blah, whatever. And my wife's still working on me. But the truth is, is that... Most of that stuff is built into me because it's just the bend of how I do life and it's God's using it. And I'm, I don't have to change my personality and, 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 and you know, ch- change all these things about me and alter all this stuff about me so I'll, be, I'll feel good about myself so I can address the world. This is what's happening and it's just pressure and it's happening with the millennials so bad right now and there's this pressure and they're, they're taking all kinds of drugs trying to cope with this because they're not in these real transformational relationships. We need a change. Number three, we gotta, we, gotta, we gotta ask the question when we're making friends, choose our friends wisely. What is the destination? Where does this friendship lead? These four dudes had the wherewithal to say, you know what, I'm not gonna fix you. I'm gonna bring you to Jesus. Okay? Not everybody who is good to you is good for you. Can you just get that like in your mind? Like, look, well, they're, they're, they're nice. Like they're helping me with the rent. And da, da, da. No, there's a, there's a co- there's a high cost to low friendships. There's a high cost. And it comes and bites you in the, in the end, and, and, and you're going to pay more in the end. There's a cost, there's a cost, there's a cost. So you have to ask, where does this friendship lead? Where's this taking me? It says this, Psalms chapter 1 and 1, we put up on the screen. Blessed is the one who does not walk. So we're walking, we're going somewhere. And step with the wicked. Or stand, now we're stopped. In the way of the sinner's. Or sits in the company of mockers. See this. We go from walking to standing to sitting. What happens is people we thought were just just fun. It was just a little journey. Now becomes a destination. And we're stuck in a destination. We're seated. seated, Sitting with mockers. Why? Because what started out as a journey became a destination. Choose your friends wisely. In my wedding, I had six friends out of ten that were in my wedding that I grew up in church with, like Sunday school with. And it's amazing, like, like their families, how healthy. And uh, it's amazing, you know, just seeing like their life and, and, and what God's done in them. Only one's in full-time ministry, but they're all serving and, and, and love God and love their families and no scandals. Like we went to Sunday school together, yeah. Sunday school together. And I'm so thankful because if my mother would have asked me, do you want to go to Sunday school, you know what I would have said? No, every time. No. But my parents brought me into environments where I connected with people of faith. And that made the difference. Right? And 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 parents who are I don't care parents will have children who are I don't care children. We have to lean into community, lean into connections, lean into faith. And so here's what I'm saying, this is this is the point. Is that you get to choose. You get to choose. This is the equity that you get to choose. What kind of friendships, what kind of relationships am I going to be in? And I get it. I'm, I'm, I'll be the first one to tell you. It can be awkward. Hey, let's be friends. Hey, let's connect. Hey, what do you do? Like, you, you, let's get coffee. I had someone the other day. Hey, I said, let's get coffee. He's like, I don't like coffee. I was like, no big deal. Let's go get a burger at In-N-Out. I'm a vegan. I was like, Okay. <laughs> I just started going on the list, like, five strikes, you know. I was like, what do you do? He's, you know. And so finally, I was like, let's just stand somewhere <laughs> on a corner <laughs> and talk. <laughs> we'll do whatever, you know. just want to connect. And <laughs> so true. But, like, you we don't want to be, like, walking around church, like, hey, we've been praying Like, this time I just feel so desperate. Right? <laughs> So one of the things that we do and we, we, we work hard at it and it's coming up soon is small groups and I think you knew that this, I would be talking about this. I'm okay with that. Small, small groups are not the end all. They're, they're a bridge to help us intentionally get together and connect. That's what small groups are about. That's, what, why, that's why we do small groups because we believe that you're not supposed to do life alone. We believe that you're supposed to be connected and can I just say this? Like small groups is not about showing up one day and like just being like, okay everybody, here I am i going to just dump all my stuff. Because I do believe that we have to have those relationships where we take the mask off. Right? Like, we have to get honest. Dudes, come on, guys. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on in our heads, and we got to share that with somebody. Because your secret will be your sickness. And guys are the worst at this. You've got to take the mask off. In fact, Proverbs chapter 28 and 13 says this, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You know why we do groups? You know why we do community? You know why we do circles? Because you need a place where you can talk about your struggle. When you confess and repent to God, guess what he does? Forgiven. But James says, if we confess to one another, we'll be healed. You know how you get over your mishap and your hang-ups? Your brother, your sister. But here's why relationships are so important, because you can't just show up to, into a circle and be like, okay, it's the first week. Here we go. Hey, my name's Chad. I, I'm allergic to cats. I hate dogs. Um, I think of murdering people all the time. I just want to just share that with you guys. Like right now, I'm struggling with murdering all of you. You know what I mean? Like Like, after several weeks and connections, and you'll find connections within, you know, groups within groups, and you're connecting and feel this bend and connection and flow and and be like, hey, can we just afterwards get some, let's talk. Hey, I'm just going through something. That's a journey that is intentional. And if you come into agreement with those things with the wrong people, you know what they'll do? They'll fuel it. Yeah, I'm struggling. Yeah, me too, dude. It's so fun. Friday night, hook me up. We'll go right over here. Da, 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 da. They'll come into agreement with your weakness and empower it instead of cover it with love. Love covers a multitude of sins. That's why groups are so important, and it is intentional. And that's, we don't do groups because like, hey, what can we do that's fun, like a department? Let's create a department in the church. Like, we don't do any departments anymore. I hate the word Department. I really do. I hate that word. Let's depart. Let's 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 do a department that breaks things into pieces. Let's break the church into pieces. Let's depart things. We do groups because we live in groups anyways. Let's just make it around Jesus. I love finances. I'm doing good in finance. I've got freedom in finances. Awesome. Do a group. Hey, I don't even know what I want to do. I just want to have, like, let's, let's just have coffee. Let's just have food for vegans. Vegan, vegan food. Let's do it. Awesome. Put Jesus in. I'm sure there's going to be someone who's like, I want to go to that and just get connected. Get connected to people. Well, I don't want to do, I want to just hang out with bachelors. Awesome. Yeah, do it. Okay. Bachelors till the rapture. Let's do it. You know? That's not the plan. I know those bachelors, but I want to show you something that's so, so important. John chapter 13 and 8, I'm I'm going to come to a close in just a moment. John chapter 13 and 8 says this, no, said Peter to Jesus, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Now now watch this, watch this. Basically, Jesus is like, hey, I want to serve you, I want to wash your feet, and Peter's like, "No, no, no, no. I'll wash my own feet. You're not washing my feet. I'll take care of my own feet. This is 2017 Christianity 101. I'll take care of me, you take care of you. Don't wash my feet. Jesus says, if I don't, you have no part. John 13, 13, and he says this, Now Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Here's the point. And I don't talk about literally washing feet. I'm so thankful I'm not because feet are gross. This this is a symbol of how we serve one another. And Jesus essentially is saying... The spirit of Peter that says, I'll serve myself and take care of myself. I'll be good. I'll be a Christian. I'll get a little Joel Osteen on in the morning and get my little praise on. I don't need community. I don't need church. I can show up every once in a while, and I'll be gone. No one knows my name, and nobody knows if I'm there or not. I'm not committed. I'm not connected. I'm not accountable to anybody. I'm not taking the mask off. I'm not letting people see into my soul. I said, you have no part. That's not what you were baptized into. He says, if you want the kingdom, it's about us washing each other's feet. I'm serving you, and you're serving me, and we're serving one another. It's the only way it works. It's the only way it works. Or what we have is tinkling cymbals, sounding brass. We have noise, and it sounds like church, and it looks like church, and it smells like church, but it's not church. It's not the body, it's not the kingdom. Relationships, relationships. I'm closing with this. 2 Corinthians 8 and 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one doesn't have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality At the present time, your your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, your plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. Now, a lot of people read this and they go, okay, cool, communism. (laughs) We'll all drive Priuses. We'll all have the same amount of money in the bank. Communism, that's what that's saying. And they overlook the spirit and the nature of it. And here's what it's saying. It's saying this, whenever there's a need in the church, it's the number one indicator that there's already a supply you know where it is? It's in the body. Whenever you're going through something, it means that somebody is already getting victory over it and you have to connect. And whenever I'm getting victory and, and, and I'm growing and prospering, guess what it means? It means that I God is positioning me to help somebody else bring them up. That's why our whole goal here Like our whole shift is really, and we're trying, we're asking God, God, help us to do it better, help us to do it better. Is unearthing the gifts that are already in you, putting fuel and oxygen and fire behind it. Because we don't want to manufacture energy. You know, go to a conference and come back and go, hey, guys, I got this new idea. We're going to be cleaning curbs in the city. Just super cool to clean curbs. And at The church, you know, 4,000 miles is cleaning curbs, and it's kind of working for them. So we're going to just manufacture energy, and everyone pretend to get excited about it. But what if, what if we were to find the gift that you're passionate about? And say, you know what? We don't do departments, but we do small groups. And I know there's 15, 20 other people that would probably have the same passion because if it's in you, that means God's doing it somewhere else because the gift will make room for it. And so what it means is we've got to unearth what God is doing in us so it can bring balance and equality to the body. That is what the church is about. The answer, the, the brain never jumps out of the skull and goes and heals the cut hand. Guess what? The brain sends signals to the rest of the body to send white blood cells and red blood cells. The answer is in the body. The need, what, what, what will be needed for the body is already in the body. We just have to discover what's in it. That's why we need one another. That's why whatever you need right now may be on the other side of the building or may have been here in first service but God has a way of connecting us. The way God has a way of bringing gravity. And you're like, that's exactly what I was praying for. I went to this small group for the first time because a friend invited me. I didn't really want to go, but I went I got connected with this one person I was supposed to be connected with. It was destiny. Why? Because God does it when you're open to it. We have to be open to the body. I'm done. Would you stand with me? I want to tell you, church, if you want, if we want all that God has, we've got to open our lives. Let's get rid of fake, friendly Christianity. Let's open our hearts to God and his plan and say, you know what? I'm going to make room for some relationships. I'm going to get off of the fake plasticky stuff. I'm going to stop deriving my value from stuff that's not even tangible. And I want to start investing and connecting with God's children. Let me tell you this. You want to, you want to, be, you want to be my friend? love my children <laughs> you don't like my children you're gonna I'm, we're gonna you and I are not gonna be good friends and, and you want to you want to love the father you want to know him you want him to pull in closer you, you, you want that experience I'm gonna tell you if you love his children take care of his children Peter do you love me yes be my sheep you love me be my sheep love me feed my sheep it, it's so intrinsically connected I want you to see this I want you to get this it's so intrinsically connected and church and small groups, and these things are just systems to help us fulfill God's vision for our lives. Doing it together, having a vision, having a purpose, putting it together, galvanizing it, but I'm just telling you, God, God, His plan for your life. Know Him, love others, know Him, love others. It's what it's about. And right now, I'm gonna be honest with you, I wish I knew how to play the guitar. I wish I could sing, because I'd I'd sing, you're my brother, you're my sister, because I'm feeling that right now. Would you just take the hand of the person on your left and your right? I know that maybe you don't know them. You don't even know their name. You don't know where they're from. You don't know how long they've been serving the Lord. Maybe they don't even know the Lord yet. But just take them by the hand. And here's the the thing we're going to pray. I want to pray the same prayer that Jesus prayed. John 17. Father, let them be one. That the world may know you sent me. Wait, wait, I thought it was better advertising. I thought it was better website presence. I, I thought it was be- better this, better that. No, 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 you don't get it. Like the world isn't looking for more clever stuff. The world is looking for people who are in unity. They're looking for a place to belong. It breaks down every wall. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Broken, lost, whoever, however, my house he said go to the highways and byways that my house may be full heavenly father right now we call upon you with our hands connected our hearts being knit together lord I pray in the name of Jesus lord I've prayed two prayers this summer I prayed first that you would go before us and if you don't go before us we don't go In this new building, if your presence doesn't go with us and your favor doesn't go with us, we're not going. we got to have you. And Lord, I'm praying that you would make us one as you are one, that you would unify our hearts and unify our vision and unify our passions and unify our efforts, Lord, so the world will know that Jesus came to this earth and died for the sinner to make us free. I pray, Lord. Help us open our hearts to the body of Christ because faith needs a friend. We need someone to pick us up. We need someone to know our name. We need someone to know when we're struggling, to know when we're physically, spiritually immobile. I need someone to carry me on my worst day. I need to be known. Lord, I pray over your church right now. I pray over this assembly. Lord, I pray for this next season you're bringing us into. Lord, prepare our hearts. Prepare our hearts. Prepare our hearts. Prepare our spirits. Make us one. Make us one. Make us one. Make us one. In Jesus' name. You're doing a new thing, God. You're doing a new work. And Lord, those old springs that are are deep in the spiritual earth in Sonoma County are going to spring up, Lord. A fresh anointing. Something fresh is about to break forth and break out, Lord. Help us to be ready to receive. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I feel a touch of the prophetic word right now, just a touch. I think the Holy Spirit wants to speak, maybe corporately, maybe individually, but God is in this house right now. One, make us one, make us one. Let us fight for these relationships, let us contend for these relationships. Keep us from being offended and hurt and being divided like the enemy would love to do. If he divides, there's no intimacy. If there's no intimacy, there's no seed, there's no fruit, there's no future. In In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Oh, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Sweet presence of the Lord. Sweet presence of the Lord. I know this may be strange and very different or new for some of you if you're standing next to someone you know and it's not weird or inappropriate or whatever, I get that maybe you're standing next to a different gender. And you're like, eh, this may be weird. But if it's okay, if it works in your context right now, would you just turn to the person next to you and just pray with them? Like, take their hand and just look them in the face and pray for them, pray over them. Like, just pray for somebody. Like, what, what are you going through? What do you need? What can I pray for you about? Don't be shy. Like, we're gonna be in heaven for a long time together. There's no, there's no cooties. It's just like, like I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Jesus' name, Jesus' name. I'm speaking it right now. Just speak life over each other. Make us one. Make us one. Make us one. Let's speak life over each other right now. I want you to speak with words. Use your words. Use your English words right now. I want you to declare the righteousness of Christ over each other right now. That's it. I'm declaring the righteousness of Christ. That's it. I I am I am declaring your freedom. You're not in this alone. The devil is a liar. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. We're going to pray it in Jesus' name. Hey, would you say that with me? We declare it in Jesus' name. And the church say amen. And the church say amen. Come on, let's celebrate Jesus right now.